0: Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. (music) Last night, we got to listen to our governor give the state of the state address here in Alaska. His
1: sixth of his time in office. His what? (laughs) His
0: His sixth? sixth? His sixth, yeah.
1: Where's the time gone, you know?
0: Yeah, we've got a couple more ahead of us. I feel like this could very easily turn into a yet another Dunleavy gripe session. I don't really, I'm not, you know, he's, he, it's pretty, I've made it pretty clear. He's not my favorite governor. He's not my favorite politician. He's not my favorite uh, policymaker. The state of the state last night, it was sort of a play the hits moment for him. He he talked yeah. about how we we didn't hear the concept of no in this state ever before, but now there's so many terrible People here who are trying to stop everything from happening, and they're saying no all the time. And then he riffed on the Alaska motto of North to the Future and said, It's becoming no to the future, which is, I think, bitterly ironic given that he's basically said no to education funding this year. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like that's our literal future. So yeah. I don't, it's, it's, it's a little wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that was sort of what was interesting. It You know, we talk a lot about. You know, the narrative and the thread of all this sort of stuff. And I feel like this is really an attempt to reset it in a way. Yeah. You know, I think that um, for me, one of the really stark moments was when he was like, Taking credit basically for the um, uptick in um, enrollment at the University of Alaska. Right. You know, this is like a, a institution that was you know decimated uh, by it. It was interesting too because you know earlier in the day they had a hearing uh, in, in the Senate Finance Committee about the Alaska Performance Scholarship and really the, it's just like effort to update it and it's like, uh, yeah, utilization of it's way down and it and we peaked in 2017 and it collapsed basically starting in 2019, which is. You know, and one of the concerns was like, students are not super secure that it's a place worth investing in. You know, they're not sure that the that the scholarship's going to be there. They're not sure that the university's going to be there. And what what happened in
0: 2019, Matt? And,
1: you know, that was the year that Dunleavy vetoed. Was it like half of the budget for the
0: university? Yeah, it was something like forty percent. Uh, it was yeah, wild. And then he ended up cutting a deal where it was it was a smaller amount over three years, but it was still like substantial cuts to the yeah. university. You know, I think, yeah, for him to claim any kind of credit on that front is absurd.
1: Well, and it's like, you know, the year, you know, yes, uh, out migration has been an issue before he was governor, uh, but it certainly hasn't helped. Right. I think that for me was one of the main takeaways is that it's kind of tough to give this speech about how, you know, if only we were saying yes to more things and more opportunities, that everything would be better. But it's like, dude, you've been governor for six years now, five and a half years, uh, and you know, I think there's a weird kind of disconnect there, as far as like, man, like there's there's a a big reason why we have a lot fewer jobs in Alaska and professionals in Alaska is because of the actions this guy's been taking.
0: Yeah, he did um, give you a call out in the speech. He he referred to the chattering classes in the press. So, yeah, <laughs> congratulations on yes making the speech. He also kind of went on a weird conspiracy theory rant, uh, which, did you catch that one? He was talking about how there is a group of people out there trying to limit the population growth in Alaska through social yeah. engineering.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think that's like kind of go. I think that it's, it, it's totally just an argument about abortion rights, I believe. You know, I think that, you know, there's a sort of argument now that the people who support bodily autonomy over reproductive decisions are anti-family, anti-baby, anti-population growth. Uh so to, then to frame it though, frame his you know he was framing it in this idea of like we need to be pro-life is we need to churn out as many new workers for the mines as possible. I think that's to me what was, you know, almost sort of the big some sort of the big takeaway a little bit is that like, you know, there's dunleavy has this vision of what alaska is and should be and for him it's like 99 percent resource development right if yeah. if only alaska was one big mine and oil field and lumber yard then we'd be okay and i think that like it just really for me like discounts what everyone else is doing in this state you know this there's a lot of like creatives, a lot of artisans, there's a lot of all sorts of other things that makes Alaska great that it doesn't have to be all extractive. I don't know. So
0: well I mean even um, even tourism is one of our biggest industries and the tourists aren't coming here to like see the smoking hole in the ground.
1: Oh well, yeah, he gave a shout out to Pebble Mine during this thing, you know. I think it's a good yeah. reminder too that he's like the only statewide politician in a long time who's been openly pro Pebble Mine.
0: It did feel like a little bit of a rally speech or like a kind of sales pitch and a reset for their narrative and you could see kind of on the faces of some of the people uh in the in the crowd there that they were <laughs> you know they were either rolling their eyes or they were lapping it up and it was it was a it was a it was a rally speech for like his team and his policies and it's interesting to see you know does that inflection point slingshot them to do s- some to get creative and get excited this week?
1: I mean, I think one of one of my big takeaways, kind of from how the session has been starting out, right, is that there's all these calls for education funding, right? That's like kind of the main driver. There's several other things that are kind of coming together, but I think like the pinch point that people are, are especially the Republicans, are putting up against any of these efforts is like they're, they're all of a sudden very worried about our financial situation. They say, we can't do any of this stuff. We can't do education increases. We can't Uh, fix our pension system or retirement system for public employees until we fix our fiscal crisis. And it's like, again,
0: haven't done the work there.
1: You are the guys, you know, like Dunleavy. Right. We were going to have a fall special session to talk about uh, revenue. Right. To talk about a fiscal plan. That didn't happen. Right.
0: Everything's on the table.
1: Yeah. And it's like, but, you know, if you're not willing to, like, lead on any of this stuff, then like, that's what we need, right? We don't necessarily need the yes or the no. We need someone to be offering ideas and, and leadership moving us forward. And, and so, um, you know, right now we are, you know, this education bill that has been moving through the House has not been moving through the House. It's essentially stalled out right now. The big holding point, you know, of, of course, is the amount of funding that's gonna be in this bill for schools um
0: this is senate bill 140 the internet mm -hmm. for schools bill that had a bunch of stuff tacked onto it and then that and when we talked about this that it was Mm -hmm. they were trying to speed run it through the through the house um but fortunately it didn't have the support and they just were never able to put it on the floor yet and it's been what a week and a half now or something like that
1: yeah and there's been talks about um like behind the door closed door negotiations with the senate and maybe the governor on what's What's uh, what's workable for everybody? Again, I I think that's like the worst of how policy is done, yeah. especially when we are like you know it would be one thing if these were all these like well vetted programs that we could kind of identify the concerns and the shortfallings with it and and work through those. It's another thing when it's like these some of these ideas have had like one hearing maybe and you know some of them haven't gone through any education hearings, um, the, yeah. the charter school provisions are the big one in my mind that comes to mind as far as not really getting a ton of um, scrutiny on it. Right, and I think that's like, there's this really interesting point, right, that we, I think that they like to frame it as like, oh, they must just hate school choice, right? They just love the bureaucracy. And it's like, you no, know, if you talk to most education people, they understand that charter schools have some value to some people. It's just when we get into like who is, who we are serving and who's benefiting, and that's when the problems all start to come together. And it's like, those are the things that Dunleavy and his friends don't want to talk about, right? Is that, you know, this is sort of picking winners and losers over.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, like the public process, there's a lot of expertise in the public. If if they're having a discussion in public, there's going to be a lot of people bringing information to the table, and they kind of don't want that in the mix right now. If they're having closed-door meetings, they're inviting that information. And we saw that real basic questions they were unable to answer. Uh, you know, Dina Bishop right. was unable to answer questions that the legislature gave her at that meeting, and then they just passed the amendment anyways. And so right. they were ready to run with this without even knowing what the funding situation would be for local school boards. And mm-hmm. so to have an open discussion means getting asked questions hard questions and getting answers from the public. And um, it's pretty clear that they don't want to have that happen right now.
1: There's this talk about how um, charter schools are this sort of foundation for innovation and how they are are, they test well and all these sort of things. And like, even if that's true, like, isn't the idea that we bring these some of these innovations back? To local school districts to our neighborhood schools right. to to find what is working and 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 find ways to to get that to work and i think really the answer is that a lot of the reasons those work is the very reasons that we're everyone's calling for a big increase to the bsa you know these schools have small class sizes they have a lot of extracurricular activities they have things that can meet the kids kind of where they are at and it's like it just the, the idea that we are, are are kind of like forwarding that while not bringing any of the other innovations into the school classroom is really interesting. Also, did you hear his his pitch on the teacher bonus thing? I mean, it sounded like yeah,
0: like go to the website, done deal. Go get go get your cash.
1: Yeah, and it was like, it was like you can get you know if you're a, a teacher, you can get up to fifteen thousand dollars over three years. It just it's so, it so felt to me so much like it was like a like a podcast like ad right like there's going to be a like a f- rapid fire yeah. of uh like helpline numbers at the end of it it doesn't have applicable isn't applicable in all districts or something it was just yeah, very weird for to small have a print, this hasn't
0: actually passed the legislature yet and may was, not
1: yeah it was very yeah. weird to have the governor like literally saying if you're you know so and so teaching in such and such district you and your partner could earn up to ninety thousand dollars over three years
0: yeah he was he was just, pumping it up
1: i mean to me to, to <laughs> me like i know we can we could go down all, all sorts of rabbit holes but like to me that that this is their major pitch to yeah. fix like the issue of of having like a revolving door of teachers is very frustrating because it's like you know it's just 3 years There's a three temporary three year program there's no promise that it uh the teachers will actually have to stick around they just have to complete the years there's no promise that you know that they will continue to be paid that right so like you can get fifteen thousand dollars and then what right maybe you use that money to move out of state and put a down payment in a district that pays better like i
0: I think the one thing that it does do from a policy standpoint is it gets you through the school year like it's it's that little extra worm on the hook to make us make sure a teacher will stick around through the duration of the school year you know if it's like if, if it's coming up on spring and the question is do i leave now or do i wait three months and get my bonus, then most people are going to wait three months. So it's a little like I think it does it from a policy perspective, it probably would have that impact, but I don't think it's the best use of the money.
1: You're right. I mean it's six it's almost sixty million dollars a year, right? It's almost as much as the three hundred dollar BSA increase is. So
0: Yeah. And I think like what you said is that it doesn't guarantee longevity. You know, it doesn't guarantee that someone's going to stick around next year. Um, you know, and nor does a nor does necessarily a pay increase but you know what does is like if you give people better benefits and you give people better retirement packages and you get better working conditions i mean i think that's that's the big issue
1: right is that you know so much of this uh like ignores the other elements that go into making a a classroom successful the reading aids the teachers the counselors the janitors all that sort of stuff those are left out of this program so uh
0: what else is going on in the legislature that's uh that's interesting these days are there um bills that you're seeing movement out of that you're surprised with or anything that you're um that seems intriguing or is flying under the radar cuz it's not controversial and actually is good policy or like what's what anything happening that's like a good functional silver lining for good governance
1: <laughs> well the the public pension bill just passed the senate today I think that's really interesting. So basically, right now, if you are a public employee in Alaska in a state or local government, you don't have a pension. And because we're Alaska, you are opted out of Social Security. So you end up with what is basically, it's called a defined contribution plan. It's very similar to like a 401k. Mm-hmm. So you you know you put in a defined amount of money, and then you, the individual, are essentially tasked with figuring out how to invest it. And some people do well with it and other people do really poor with it. And so the big problem is that, um, you know, it's sort of seen as a disincentive to stick around, um, especially because, you know, you get to the five years, you're going to be, you know, get to your early 30s, you know, late 20s, early 30s. You start saying, shoot, I better start thinking about retirement. And then all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're a vast majority, according to a report last year, people are like, behind pace in their retirement so they're mm-hmm. not earning enough right now yeah to hit like what is considered a successful retirement and so there's been a big push for several years you know so alaska used to have a very 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 good pension plan that included a very good health plan and then they basically kind of for several reasons got underwater with it in 2006 there was, you know, actuary, there's a big lawsuit over it. an yeah. actuary, messed up the numbers and then concealed it. And then the problem got worse and worse.
0: Oops.
1: Uh, and so they used it as basically a, you know, justification to make this major switch in the system. And ever since then, pretty much every expert labor group, pretty much every public employee you might talk to says, hey, this is a this is a big problem for keeping people around. And so um, they passed a new bill, um, Senator Kathy Geisel from. Anchorage, she's a Republican, um, was carrying it. You know, there's a lot of arguments that she's making, basically, that it's much more cost neutral this time around. It's certainly not gold-plated like they had, you know, called the previous plan. But, yeah, it's a defined benefit bill that is through. It got passed on a 12 to 5 vote. Oh, wow. It's probably dead in the House, if we're being honest. But it's, you know, a pretty big step forward for this legislation that is – People have been working on this thing for uh, since I started covering politics in Alaska. And yeah. so for it to pass today is still a major step forward. It's interesting too. it was interesting to listen to some of the opposition to it. Right. I think there's um, Senator Bert Stedman, You know, he's kind of always been skeptical of it. I think he's skeptical of the cost neutrality of the bill. I think he's a little just wary about the state being on the hook for anything in right. the first place. But that's that's the issue. Right. It was the defined benefit plan. You're going to get that payout no matter what defined contribution plan. The the really the burden rests entirely on the the employee. Yeah. Um, but some... it was interesting to listen to some of the other conservatives who were basically like if we give a defined pension, we're going to be uh, what you know, what about the poor private sector that has to compete with that, that isn't offering a pension and and do young people even want pensions in the first place? They want They want to be able to work a bunch of different jobs. They just want their it, Nintendo. Oh, my gosh. It was so frustrating to me because it's like the reason that young people don't have pensions is because pensions of people like that have been getting rid of pensions, right? It's not
0: like young people turn up their nose at a job that has a pension. Oh, man, that job has a pension? Boo. I mean, no. I think it's
1: like it's so weird because it's like th- this idea that we are, like, happy in this weird gig economy uh, where everyone's changing jobs and the only way you get a raise is getting a new job. It's like, is that the idea that we're happy is like so wild to me, you know, I, I, I grew up like thinking I was going to have this like long ranging career, do like work one or two jobs and I just will work my way up and into seniority and everything. But no, like, that's just not, it's like not, not because I don't want it to happen. It's just, it's not available anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the world, the, the shape of the world's really changed from that, you know, like gold watch retirement yeah. era. And I think it's
1: and I think it's like, you know, it's so it's so cynical to me for them to look at it and say, well, we can't possibly we shouldn't possibly be competing with the private sector. It's like, you know, the, there's a reason why like minimum wage is like a thing that the government controls. Like we're trying to like, you know, it. yeah. So what if the pub- private sector has got to compete with the public sector on pensions? Right. Like. Maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe that would wouldn't you agree that pensions are good? It's also
0: not like the public sector has infinite infinity jobs, right? There's a limited number of jobs, a limited number of positions to fill uh, and a limited number of people that they can take from the private sector. And the private sector is always going to need to fill in. And if they're if the worry, if the concern in the governor's mind is that Alaska's population is, is struggling, maybe more jobs in Alaska isn't a terrible thing.
1: Right. More desirable jobs that are going to invite you to be there for the long term, right? Because that's the thing with all these jobs is that to get the pension, you know, you need to be working there. Uh, You need to put in that time, basically, for it to be any good. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like, it doesn't sound bad to me to encourage teachers to be there for 10 to 30, 10 to 20 to 30 years, right? Like that's that's how it becomes a good pension,
0: right? Well, that's so. how all my teachers were, right? Like all the teachers that I had in elementary school and middle school and most of my high school teachers, like all those teachers are still rattling around Juneau right? and they retired and they did great things for the community after a long career as a teacher and it was the way that it worked. Mm-hmm. And now know, yeah. like a lot of people are burning out or changing professions because they're not getting paid mm-hmm. enough. Right. One of my well, good friends
1: moving. is looking at leaving teaching right now. So,
0: yeah. yeah, if it's not sustainable, it's not sustainable. And it needs to be You know, the people doing the hiring need to make it sustainable. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of private sector competition for teachers. You know, they're not stepping on anyone's toes by giving the teachers a, a good benefits package.
1: Well, not until we change the Constitution and we can start giving vouchers to private schools. Right.
0: I feel bad for charter schools that are just trying to be like a, a good charter school and try to do some innovative educating. Uh, because I think that getting tied up in this conversation about funding religious education is is really tough for them. And it seems like Mm -hmm. they've created this scenario now where they're trying to float this legal theory that if you, if you the state pay for a charter school to do something, and then the charter school takes that money that you've given them and then spends it on something, that's not the state buying, you know, religious materials or paying for the religious education. That's just, that's the purview of that, you know, private school, yeah. right? So it's it's sort of this, it's like a money laundering operation, right? It's, <laughs> it's like how do you how do you circumvent the Constitution? Is that you give the money to someone else to spend so that it's not the state spending it? Yeah, um, and it hasn't really been tested. It would be very interesting if it ever is, and I assume it would be at some point, and you know, maybe in this. Um, what was this? What was the group the, in the Anchorage?
1: Fel- Anchorage, the fellowship part, or the. Family Alaska partnership. Family
0: Partnership or something? Yeah. So, yeah. like, so, yeah. So in that Anchorage case uh, with Alaska Family Partnership, I, I believe it was, they, that'll be interesting to see if that does, you know, if that does go to trial, if it does create some, like, legal precedents, if it does tell us what we can and can't do with state money right. and, and, you know, what the extent of how many organizations it have to pass through before it's no longer state money. <laughs> right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it it's really interesting uh,
1: right now. So, uh, so there's that. There's the education bill that's stalled out. There's the governor's bill, or there's the um, pension bill. The other thing that is really big on the radar right now is all these executive orders. Right. James Brooks with the Alaska Beacon had a really good write up on it this week about how. Um, I believe it's, like, the governor issued, like, these 12 or so executive orders that, you know, eliminate commissions, ex- you know, combine commissions, uh, grant new powers, split some stuff up, change how some boards are, are made up, and it's, like, I think they said that it accounts for 10% of all executive orders ever taken in, in statehood were just issued, Yeah. Um, So there's some major ones there. The Senate is basically um, taking a a pretty serious approach as as far as um, reviewing and vetting these. I think that the changes around how the Marine ferry system is uh, the board is uh, made up, uh, which is proposed to, you know, consolidate all the power under Dunleavy surprise. And uh, the question with all of this right is can if you know, as much as the Senate wants to do something about it, Little skeptical that the House is gonna move anything through. Um, Isn't a joint session
0: know. kind of scenario though? Don't they have to? No,
1: they both pass resolutions disapproving it.
0: Oh wow. Okay, so the yeah. the House could just not do anything and it'll just sail through.
1: I believe so. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: So. Yeah. So the the only one that's that people seem generally warm to is the idea of splitting up ADA and the uh, Alaska Energy Association, right? Right. And then everything else seems somewhat controversial, like the massage board and like all these, you know, these things that we think of as frivolous. But then I am reading that article that James wrote and some of the other reporting that's out there. And you realize that there are a lot of people with a lot of experience in these areas. And they're talking about like, oh, yeah, well, without expertise, uh, you know, these massage parlors could easily become uh nexus for child trafficking and you're like oh okay well that's good to know <laughs>
1: yeah it was and it's so interesting is that the administration really hasn't like talked about where these came from why they're thing you know why yeah there's no justification them, right and so it's very uh because it's I very say. weird but i think it you know again it kind of goes back to like the frustrating element of having an extraordinarily strong executive branch in alaska and a house that is more or less happy to do whatever he needs to do, right? So
0: yeah, do you think the um, house is sort of like philosophically aligned with the governor, or do you think that they're sort of uh, just operating out of, uh, I don't know, subservience?
1: I think they're politically aligned. I Are don't they? know if they're philosoph- okay. philosophically aligned. Well, I, mean, I think that they're politically there's like an element aligned. Of like philosophically support.
0: aligned is kind of the same. Yeah. Huh?
1: No. But like, I think that they're. I think that they're that. He's a Republican. He's a Republican governor. So therefore, they need to do what you know he wants them to do. I think there's an element of that in there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, I think that you, you talked to many of them about some of his. You know, individual priorities, and there's quite a bit of skepticism, but you don't see much of that actually play out right now. I think it's been really interesting to listen to the budget discussions where, you know, the governor's proposed budget that's got a, a billion dollar shortfall in it, right? Because he's proposing to pay out a major PFD. Yeah. You look at all of the um, kind of accompanying forecasts that say we have like a, you know, 10 billion, 13 billion dollar deficit over the next decade if we follow this budget. And there's kind of, like, I haven't heard a lot of, like, criticism about it, but I've also heard, you know, a lot of those Republicans say, well not really going to follow that budget right like it's unrealistic that we're going to pass that budget so it's kind of unrealistic that we're even entertaining all these like fiscal modeling that says we're going to be out of money because we're not obviously not going to do that but it's like well what are you <laughs> what are you going to do i've
0: heard people refer to it democrats refer to it as a as a as a status quo budget or as a balanced budget because everyone knows that it's just like theatrics right that's it's not yeah. actually like they know that that pfd is not what the pfd is going to be right and, and, and meanwhile the, I mean, go back to the at, state right? of the state go back to the state of state address and he's saying i'm here fighting for the pfd and he's not he's like put it in there as a performance piece he's like
1: yeah well
0: <laughs> i think if you well and you if you listen to what he said too i don't think he ever said a full pfd i'm fighting
1: for a pfd because there's like this sort of subtle shift in the hmm. dialogue around the pfd where it's all of a sudden the the pro pfd crowd is now basically saying oh like- we can't do this stuff because the liberals and all the moderates are going to get rid of it forever. And that's sort of like the accusation now. And and let's
0: remember he's come from a position of he wanted not just the full PFD, but back payments for all previous, (laughs) you know, PFDs that were not paid out to the statute. Right.
1: So it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's weird. It's sort of, it's so weird to be in a situation, right. Where we like, there's such a big disconnect between what he's saying and what everybody everybody recognizes as the reality of the situation, right? Yeah. That
0: we like, have no it, money for education, <laughs> but let's give everyone a $25,000 PFD.
1: Yeah, and then well then they don't but then they don't even yeah, they're not going to give that PFD either and they're not going to and they're not really advancing any plans to to pay for it or to balance it and it's just I don't know. Like it, the, I guess it's what I I think going back to the the seat of the state addresses it really, again, it's like all this talk and very little leadership on it. Right. And there's very, you know, it sounds so easy to say, like, oh, we just need to say yes to everything. We need to say yes to opportunity and no to the liberals and the environmentalists and stuff. And it's just like it's so reductive while also like not will say nothing. Right. Like, I don't know what I. What plan I, I, there is in here other than drill baby drill, right? Well, I also like, I'm kinda curious
0: who's saying no. Like who who yeah. is <clears throat> like it's not the legislature. The legislature's not shutting down projects. Who's saying no? Is he mad at like the environmental groups that are like worried about well, <laughs> wasting like, our right, water? Or? And
1: you and you look at Willow, you know, and it's got like we've said I've said before, it's got like as much wind at its back as any project in the last however many years, you know, like Biden's pretty on board with Willow. Right. And and it's moving forward. And and there's yeah. like, you know, mining pro- amblers sort of still moving forward. Uh, there's a lot of these projects that like have plenty of momentum. It's almost like I don't know what more we can be doing unless we were just like all running outside with shovels looking for oil.
0: <laughs> I don't know if we'd all be very successful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are all running outside with shovels uh, <laughs> this time of year. But, For snow, uh, yeah. yeah oh man well i don't know i it feels like kind of just a big flat tire of a of a of a thing to me the whole thing yeah, i, I mean, just don't I, like hearing him talk i don't like it it reminds me he's governor
1: ultimately too i think the legislature is going to do what the legislature is going to do right like as much as we're going to fight over the next however you know uh 120 minus 95 days of the session like the dividend's gonna become smaller. It's gonna become probably fall into the range of a thousand dollars to thirteen hundred dollars plus a bonus. Pro- plus a bonus, they'll they'll probably pay. You know, they'll probably increase education funding by some amount. I I would kind of guess it's gonna be that six eighty figure from last year. Um, for the BSA. For the BSA. But it's sort of, yeah, I think that's kind of what sort of feels frustrating is like we kind of know where we're going to go. It's just we need to do the top. We need everyone to be able to have an opportunity to hear themselves talk for a couple months. Yeah. And then we'll do what we know we're all going to do.
0: That's nice. That's great. yep yep (laughs) I think that's a nice note to end on, actually. Keep it nice and short this week. Yeah. All right. Um, Well, I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, sounds uh, good. We can talk while they talk and everyone will talk and yeah uh, we love talking and then in a few months the the things will be done it's the (laughs) legislative session
1: Uh, can you tell i'm a little jaded by it now